Hey, let's take another look at a wonderful book by Richard Simmons called Reflections on the Existence of God. Hi, Gary Zacharias with the Apologist Bookshelf. This is uh, the second look. I did an earlier podcast on this book. I'm looking at uh, 2.5. That's how he has his chapter set up. This one's called Why All the Violence? And I really like this chapter. In fact, I like a lot of the book because he's got so many great stories in here. And he talks, uh, as he opens the chapter, I say he, Richard Simmons, he tells a story about Stephen Paddock, who is an American mass murderer. He's the one that shot up uh, in Las Vegas, shot a crowd of 22,000 people attending a country music festival. It was the apparently the deadliest mass shooting, although I'll tell you, I'm getting numb to them. There's so many, it's awful. But this is the deadliest mass shooting by a lone shooter in U.S. history, 58 fatalities. And afterwards, he took his own life. Well, shortly after the event, NPR Steve Inskeep interviewed a man named Daryl Gibbs. He's the father of somebody who got wounded. And uh, this man said that he and his relatives were taking shifts by his daughter's hospital beds. And uh, he works as a federal corrections counselor, so he advises inmates when they leave prison. And so here's what uh, the... Uh, Here's what happened between the two of them in the interview. Inskeep says to him, you don't blame the gun for this. Gibbs, the man who's the father of the wounded victim, said, absolutely not. Inskeep says, you blame the person? And, uh, Gibbs says, of course. Inskeep says, what do you think is causing these mass shootings? And you know what Gibbs' answer was? A godless society. And uh, the author, Simmons, says, well, you know, some people are going to sneer at that response. But he said... That's a valid observation. If there's no God, what are we? Are we just a mass of chemicals here by chance? Uh, he references B.F. Skinner as an atheist. He says, there's no reason to regard human beings as anything other than a product of nature. And uh, Simon says he's reminded of the words of Jeffrey Dahmer. Remember him? One of the most evil serial killers ever to live. He cannibalized people after he ate them. And he gave an interview from prison. And this is what he said. When I was in high school, I found within myself the desire to torture animals. I did not believe in God. I did not believe we were here for a purpose. Given that I was not here for a purpose and I'm going to die and that's the end of me, I couldn't find sufficient reason to deny the satisfactions of my desires. Well, we know how that ended up. How awful, huh? Maybe uh, the most famous atheist that ever lived, according to Simmons, was that German philosopher we all heard of, Friedrich Nietzsche. He challenged his atheist friends that if they're going to give up belief in the Christian God, guess what you also have to give up? You've got to give up Christian morality, particularly things like pity and compassion and the value of human beings. Exactly right. Now, Simmons has very short chapters, and so as he ends the chapter, he has a, a sobering satirical poem. It's an English journalist named Steve Turner who wrote this, and it's lengthy, but please allow me to read it because it's so powerful. Look up Steve Turner, and it's often referred to as the Atheist Creed. And of course, a creed is like a fundamental belief. Now, he calls this piece Creed. And what he tries to do here, uh, which I think is fascinating, is to try to, in, in a sense, get inside modern people's thinking processes, what they really believe. So here we go. We believe in Marx, Freud, and Darwin. That's all one word. We believe everything is okay as long as you don't hurt anyone, to the best of your definition of hurt, and to the best of your knowledge. 
We believe in sex before, during, and after marriage. We believe in the therapy of sin. We believe that adultery is fun. We believe that sodomy is okay. We believe that taboos are taboo. We believe that everything's getting better despite evidence to the contrary. The evidence must be investigated, and you can prove anything with evidence. We believe there's something in horoscopes, UFOs, and bent spoons. Jesus was a good man, just like Buddha, Muhammad, and ourselves. He was a good moral teacher, though we think his good morals were bad. We believe that all religions are basically the same, at least the one that we read was. They all believe in love and goodness. They only differ on matters of creation, sin, heaven, hell, God, and salvation. We believe that after death comes the nothing, because when you ask the dead what happens, they say nothing. If death is not the end, if the dead have lied, then it's compulsory heaven for all, excepting perhaps Hitler, Stalin, and Genghis Khan. We believe in Masters and Johnson. What's selected is average. What's average is normal. What's normal is good. We believe in total disarmament. We believe there are direct links between warfare and bloodshed. Americans should beat their guns into tractors, and the Russians would be sure to follow. We believe that man is essentially good. It's only his behavior that lets him down. This is the fault of society. Society is the fault of conditions. Conditions are the fault of society. We believe that each man must find the truth that's right for him. Reality will adapt accordingly. The universe will readjust. History will alter. We believe there is no absolute truth, excepting the truth that there's no absolute truth. We believe in the rejection of creeds and the flowering of individual thought. If chance be the father of all flesh, disaster is his rainbow in the sky. And when you hear... State of emergency, sniper kills 10, troops on rampage, whites go looting, bomb blasts school. It is but the sound of man worshiping his maker. Isn't that something? I mean, just that just gives me a chill because it's encapsulating everything that I think is going on in our society today. So Turner is just pointing out the incoherence of modern belief with its ramifications and saying that we should expect violence and evil. That's the worldview today that's shaping people's lives. And so Simmons ends that chapter there uh, by referencing that poem and then something in Deuteronomy. He says, uh, this is where we're heading as a nation. He said he was reminded how God in the Old Testament lays out a choice that we all have to make when we want to live our lives and build our communities. And here it is, Deuteronomy 30, verses 19 and 20. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by holding fast to him. For this is your life. And he says this is the means by which God addresses the problem of evil. And so that's the end of that chapter. And I know it's a short chapter. <clears throat> so I'm actually going to continue and do one more. This is 2.6 because it ties in with the previous chapter. So the previous chapter is telling about all the blood and gore and, and awfulness that's going on in the world. And uh, this one's called Hope for a Broken World. And again, he starts with a wonderful story. He says, uh, Simmons says he heard a prominent lecturer and, and an author, his name is Ron Carlson, talking about the value of human life. Uh, Carlson said he went to the Cambodian border back in the 70s. And there were people rushing from Cambodia with that massacre, fleeing 300,000, looking for some place. Now, these are Buddhist refugees, and they're coming from Cambodia and Laos. And yet Carlson noticed there were no Buddhists that would lend a hand or take care of them. There were no Hindus. There were no Muslims. The only people that were taking care of all these refugees were Christians 
from different Christian mission and relief organizations. So he, he approached a man who'd lived in that area for a long time. He said, can you explain to me why in a Buddhist country with Buddhist refugees, are there no Buddhists here caring for their brothers? And this is the answer he got. Have you ever seen what Buddhism does to a nation or a people? Buddha taught that each man is an island unto himself. Buddha said if someone is suffering, that's his karma. You're not to interfere with another person's karma because he's purging himself through suffering and reincarnation. Buddha said you are to be an island unto yourself. And the relief uh, effort leader also said, Ron, the only people that have a reason to be here today taking care of these 300,000 refugees are Christians. Why is that? He says, it's only in Christianity that people have a basis for human value, that people are important enough to educate and care for. And so what a wonderful view. That's the Christian view of life, isn't it? People have great value. They were created in the image of God. And then he goes on in the chapter to talk about Alvin Schmidt's book called How Christianity Changed the World. And that's a wonderful book, by the way, if you can get a hold of that one. Great book, How Christianity Changed the World. Alvin Schmidt, S-C-H-M-I-D-T. And he shows how this Biblical worldview just changed the world in some wonderful ways. And I'm just going to rattle them off here briefly. The idea of human rights came from the Bible. Christianity elevated and exalted the value of women. Philanthropy came from Christian compassion. Biblical teaching was behind setting up hospitals and creating mental institutions and professionalizing medical nursing and founding the Red Cross. Slavery was around for a long time, and it was the abolition of slavery that went back to the teachings of Christianity. Yeah, they mentioned the great historian Will Durant made it clear Christianity was not a segregated religion. It says it offered itself without restriction to all individuals, classes, and nations. It was not limited to one people. And then as he begins to end this chapter, he has another terrific story here, and it's, it's something that I have read on my own from another source it was a, a lengthy piece written by Matthew Paris, P-A-R-R-I-S. Apparently, I didn't know him, but apparently he's a well-known South African slash British journalist and a broadcaster. He was in the British Parliament. And Paris had grown up in the African country of Malawi. And then he left and did a whole lot of other things. And he came back to rural Africa to try to help some of these uh, places set up water pumps, giving them access to clean water. Now, What's interesting here is that Paris was an atheist. And yet when he went to back to Africa, in his article, he says that his visit renewed his faith in the development of charities, but it shook him up as an atheist. Why? He was shocked that the enormous contribution to the good of Africa had come as a result of Christian evangelism. Now that bothered him because that was not his atheistic worldview. And he finally had to admit how transformative Christianity was in his native country. That was unlike any other form of aid. It wasn't just the money or the food that was handed out. It was the attitude and the message of those Christian people. Now, he acknowledged that's not in harmony with his atheistic beliefs. Paris says that didn't fit his ideological beliefs or his atheistic worldview. It was embarrassing because he didn't think God existed. But Paris found that the evangelism of Christians was distinctly different from secular organizations, non-governmental organizations and government endeavors. They were good, but it was never sufficient. Why? Christianity changed people's hearts. As, as good as education and training was, but it was the change of people's hearts. 
And the quote here is, it brings a spiritual transformation. The rebirth is real. The change is good. And so he ends the chapter by saying, this is what's so unique about Christianity. Simmons says it's not a religion where you have to follow a bunch of laws and regulations. Christ wants to work in our hearts and to empower us. Christianity is about the life of God working in the hearts and souls of men and women. And that's the end of that chapter. So you can tell these are fairly short chapters, and they're excellent, wonderful things to think about. All right, well, thanks. Uh, we'll tackle another book soon.